Here's Pastor Steve Converse to begin today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. Do you know what kind of God you serve? Or are you just kind of familiar with Him? See, this is where the line begins where false doctrine can creep in and really create a havoc in your life and the life of churches and everything else when people don't realize and don't understand the characteristics and the attributes of God. Because when something happens in your life, if you don't understand the characteristics of God, if you don't understand that, hey, this thing is happening for a purpose, you could turn to God and shake your fist at God and say, why are you allowing this to happen? I'm going to doubt you now. I disbelieve that you even exist. And you can go down that road questioning God. We're in no position to question God about anything. And when we do that, that doesn't set him apart as God. Even Job fell into that problem. He was trying to figure out why he was in the dilemma he was in. And he said this, Thou art cruel to me, God. Could God be cruel? What we're going through may seem really cruel, but when you understand that, you know what? Nothing happens outside of the sovereign hand of God in your life as a believer unless he allows it to. Then there must be a purpose for it. Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, greetings in Christ, and welcome to today's broadcast. We're continuing our look at prayer, the disciples' prayers recorded for us here in Matthew. We would invite you to join us today as we continue this examination of this prayer, helping us understand what it means to pray, the freedom and liberty we have to pray, and then, obviously, what to pray specifically. Here now with today's broadcast, once again, with this edition of Graceful Truth, Pastor Steve Converse. See, everything we see around us, everything we experience, God has created it. And so we need to hallow his name as creator. And you can go right down there. And and whether it's the healer, peace, Lord of righteousness, Lord of hosts, provider, that's what it means to hallow his name, is to understand what it's about. So many times as Christians, we wonder why we struggle in our Christian lives. And a lot of Christians struggle because they don't understand the character of the God that saved them. They have a hard time understanding who God is. They don't. They, they could maybe name one or two of His attributes at best. See, if you don't understand the God who saved you and who He is and His nature and the characteristics and the attributes, I'm not going to say you're going to totally 100% get it because God is far above us. But you can get the basics as you look through Scripture. When you realize that God is everywhere at the same time. He's omnipresent everywhere at the same time. I don't know about you, but when I'm praying, God, be with me as I go to Florida next week. I wonder if God's not sitting up there going, You think I'm not going to be? I'm everywhere. What do you mean, be with you? Sometimes it's, it's funny how we pray certain things. And I know we, in innocence we do that. But see, God calls us to a higher standard when it comes to prayer. He wants us to, to know Him better through our time of prayer. So He gave Him various names and we can understand the different characteristics and attributes of God. And even in the New Testament, the Lord Jesus Christ has many names. The bread of life, the living water, the way, the truth, the life, the resurrection, the good shepherd, the branch, the bright morning star, the Lamb of God, on and on and on it goes. In Isaiah 9, it says, Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Prince of Peace, Father of Eternity. See, in Romans 1.5, it says, We preach the gospel that the nations may believe for the what? For the sake of His name. We don't do it for our own glory. We do it for the sake of His name. 3 John chapter, or verse 7, <laughs> be in trouble if we had chapter 7. 3 John 7 says, We sent out preachers to preach for the sake of His name. See, and when you minister, if you're involved in ministry, which every Christian should be to some extent, there's no spectators in this faith. They're not called to be spectators. We all should be involved at some level 
of ministry within a local church. And as we're involved, we have to stop and say, why are we doing this? Am I doing this for the sake of your name? Or am I doing this for the sake of moi, me? Because it's going gonna, it's gonna to really kind of reveal itself eventually. Why do we do what we do? Well, hopefully if we understand the name of God a little bit, if we hallow His name more in our lives, if we set Him apart, that's what that word means to hallow. Almost sounds like, hey, I'm going to go hallow a ditch. You know, it sounds like something you're going to dig or something. That's not what it means. It means to set apart. It comes from the, the Greek word which means holy. Holy be your name. That's what hallowed means. Now you can stop and look at this from two different angles. Hallow be your name. Do you mean when we say that, are we making God's name holy? No. It's used that way in some places. In some places it's used that way. 1 Peter 1.16 where Peter says, Be ye holy. <laughs> What's he saying? He's saying, set yourself apart. Make yourself holy. Well, surely if God is holy, we can't make Him any more holy. Holy be your name. Well, if it's already holy, why is He telling us to say that? See, in 1 Peter it means we're unholy to start out with. And by coming into contact with something that is holy, we can become holy. Since God is eternally holy, it can't mean that here. Are we making God holy when we pray? No. God, I know you're unholy, and I know you're common and ordinary, but now this prayer is going to make you holy. It's going to set you apart. <laughs> no. Second way it's used in the Bible, and this is what it's used to here, is really, it's used to treat something or someone as sacred. To hold something or someone set apart as holy. Regarded someone as holy or separated. You don't make them holy. They already are holy. They already are. They're regarded as such. Because that's their nature. And that's the God that we serve. He already is holy. I mean, aren't you glad God is holy? I mean, can you imagine if God wasn't holy? If God wasn't perfect? If God wasn't forgiving? If God, I mean, one, one little step out of line. But see, God is holy. He's perfect in every way. We don't make Him that way. Well, what does it mean to be holy when you're saying this, hallowed be thy name? What's the difference? See, not everyone who's different is holy. That's kind of what this means. It's, it's different, something that's set apart. But holy people are different. See, the basic idea is difference. It means God is in a different whole cosmic sphere than us. He's on a whole different level. He's totally set apart from us. And yet, he's completely intimate with us in every way. Remember in Exodus 20, verse 8, where it says, Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy? Well, that day ought to be different than the other days. That's what it means. Or Leviticus chapter 21, verse 8, where it says that the priests were to be holy. They were to be different than other men. They were set apart to serve God. So holy means to be set apart, to be different, to have... You might say another sphere of living exists in another quality of being. That's basically what it means when we say God is holy. He's totally on a different level. God is separated from us. God is uncommon. He's extraordinary. He's unearthly. He's separated from sinners. He's holy. He's undefiled. And now out of that comes the idea of us giving reference to his name. Because that's what he demands. You remember back in, in Numbers Chapter 20, you can turn there if you want, verse 2, fourth book in the Bible. Numbers chapter 20, verse 2. You remember the story, there's no water there for the congregation, it says, so they gathered together unto Moses and against Aaron. So immediately, because there was no water, they were a little parched, they took it out on their poor leaders. (laughs) They blamed them for the lack of water. And it says, and the people strove with Moses and spoke, saying, would God, we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. Why have you brought us into this wilderness, excuse me, that we and our cattle should die here? And wherefore have you made us to come up out of Egypt 
to bring us into this evil place. In other words, is this what you had in mind, guys? Because we're not having fun. You know, we got a little dry, the tongue's kind of sticking to the roof of our mouth, we want some water. It's no place of the seed, figs, vines, pomegranates, neither is there any water to drink. And it says, And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, and here's what he said, listen carefully, take your rod and gather your assembly together, thou and thy brother Aaron, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes. And it shall give forth water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation and beast drink. Okay, you want some water? Take the rod, go over there, speak to the rock, and you'll get water. Do it in front of everybody. So here's Moses. What did God tell him to do? Speak. Let's look at what he does. Verse 9. Moses took the rod before the Lord as he commanded him. Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation before the rock. And he said unto them, Hear now, ye rebels. <laughs> it's a little ticked off, I bet. Must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and with the rod he smote it. Not once, but twice. Hit the rock twice with the rod. What did God tell him to do? Speak. Right? What's he doing here? He's hitting the rock. Not once, but twice. It's interesting that God speaks of the grace of God. He didn't make the congregation pay for Moses' sin. <laughs> you see that? Because it says water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and the beasts also. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, and listen what he says. Because you believe me not to sanctify me. See that? To sanctify me. That's the same word in the Septuagint, which means holy, which means hallowed in the, in the text we're looking at this morning. It means... You do not see me as one to be revered, to be honored, to be glorified, to be set apart, to be obeyed. And because you didn't do that, in the eyes of the children of Israel, you shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. Pretty hefty fine to pay there, Moses, for your anger and your disobedience. And he never entered the promised land because he hit the stupid rock. See, Moses was going about this all wrong. He he kind of figured, well, you know, before I hit the rock and it worked... I was told to do before. I, you know, I, uh, I don't know if God can do this if I don't hit the rock. That was his previous experience, and I think Moses had a little bit of ego involved here. He wanted him to kind of be, you know, get him out of this hot spot with all the people being mad. And and if he if he showed some, you know, uh, authority here and hit that rock, and the water came forth, maybe they would look at him and say, "Whoa, this guy's got some powers. We better not complain that much more." Had a little glory in it for himself, but he was disobeying. The command from God. He was stealing his glory and he was disobeying God. He didn't sanctify God. He didn't hallow God. So to hallow God's name, it means to what? To hold his matchless being in reverence so that you will believe what he says. And then you will obey it. In other words, a simple way of putting it is, is basically you're exalting God. You're looking at God for all he is and all he can do and everything he stands for. And you're saying, wow, you are holy God. That's why it comes back to Matthew right after he says, Our Father in heaven, our Daddy in heaven. But don't you ever think that you can just hop up and jump up and down on Daddy's knee and slap him in the face and Daddy's not going to do anything because Daddy is also the God who needs to be revered. See, we don't want to get too buddy-buddy with God. And that's what we've done, I believe, in American Christianity today. We've brought God down to our level. And so... 
We have churches where, you know, people come in and, you know, drink their cappuccinos and watch videos and play video games and, and, and all this stuff happens and nobody thinks anything of it. See, God is somebody who needs to be revered. God is somebody who needs to be looked at as exalted. As a matter of fact, every time in the Jewish mind when they would address God as Father, they would always follow it up with something. They would say something like, Oh, Lord, Father, ruler of my life. Just to kind of reaffirm that God is God and we are not. Oh, God, our Father, great, great, great power, or, or most high, or almighty. They'd say all these things. And in certain prayers they would pray, they would say over and over again, Our Father, and then they would follow it up with our King. Just don't get too comfortable with God as your daddy. He is that, and he cares for you immensely, as we saw last week. But he is also someone who needs to be set apart. That's why in First Peter it says there, uh, sanctify the Lord God in your heart. It's the same word. Reverence God. Treat God as holy. Well, we can say that, but how do we practically do this? How does this actually flesh out in our lives, you might say? Well, number one, it's not just by saying holy is Lord. I mean, that's true. But that's no different than the Jews saying that. They didn't mean it. I think we hollow his name when we believe that he exists. When we believe that he exists, we hollow his name. We, we set God apart in saying, God, I believe that you exist. Hebrews 11.6 says, He that come, comes to God must believe that he is. That's the first step. Do you believe that God exists? This week, Kirk Cameron will be over at the church over at, uh, in Fremont there, and he's going to be sharing his testimony, and there was a point in time where he didn't believe God exists. He was a total atheist. And God touched his heart and opened his eyes. And through uh, the miracle of salvation, his eyes were awakened to the existence of God and then also his, his own d- depravity and sinfulness, and he came to Christ for salvation. Here's a kid that had everything, and he gave it up, basically, to follow Christ. Why? Because he exists. There's a lot of scientists, Sir James Johns, the, the uh, uh, astron- astronomer, says no astronomer could ever be an atheist. I mean, when you start looking, even Kant, the philosopher, one quote says, the law within us and the starry heavens above drive us to God. Now, he was messed up in a lot of areas, but he got that right. See, God is evident all around us. You can believe that God exists because he does. And therefore, we should. that's how we can hallow his name. Secondly, quickly there... We can also hallow his name, not only by knowing that he exists, but also knowing the kind of God that he is. Do you know what kind of God you serve? Or are you just kind of familiar with him? See, this is where, this is where the line begins, where false doctrine can creep in and really create a havoc in your life and the life of churches and everything else when people don't realize and don't understand the characteristics and the attributes of God. Because when something happens in your life, if you don't understand the characteristics of God, if you don't understand that, hey, this thing is happening for a purpose, you could turn to God and shake your fist at God and say, why are you allowing this to happen? I'm going to doubt you now. I disbelieve that you even exist. And you could go down that whole road questioning God. We're in no position to question God about anything. And when we do that, that doesn't set him apart as God. Even Job fell into that problem. He was trying to figure out why he was in the dilemma he was in. And he said this, Thou art cruel to me, God. Could God be cruel? I don't think so. I don't believe that's in his, within his uh, characteristics to be, to be cruel. What we're going through may seem really cruel, but when you understand that, you know what? Nothing happens outside of the sovereign hand of God in your life as a believer unless he allows it to. 
then there must be a purpose for it. Yeah, but you don't understand. You know, I got this disease. Well, you know what? God allowed you to get it because he could have definitely prevented it. You don't understand. You know, my kid, well, you know what? He could have, you know, made things happen differently with your kids, but that's, that's what happened. And I'm not saying you just sit back in the armchairs of grace and have a fatalistic attitude toward life. That's not what we're talking about. But we are talking about putting God in his rightful place through prayer, hallowing his name. Thirdly, we hallow his name when we're constantly aware of his presence. Knowing that he is, knowing who he is, and bringing that into our everyday mind. Realizing that he's there with us all the time. Uh, Psalm 16.8 said, David said, I have set the Lord always before me. I mean, it's kind of like in the morning, just put God sunglasses on and everything you see is, is through God's perspective. God vision. All right? It, it, kind of a thing like that. That's what we need. Because when we start seeing th- things through our own vision, that's when we start to question. That's when we start to doubt. That's when we get all depressed and worn out and, and just, oh, you know, just want to give up. Because we lose sight of who God really is. Just this last week, it was interesting, Crystal and Will had bought this house, their first house, they're all excited, got basically everything done, the escrow closed, they got the keys to the house, the, the, the first couple days they had contractors in there ripping out carpets, putting in floors, putting in a, a ripping out a wall and doing all this work, and then the real estate agent calls or somebody called the title company and said, oh, you know what, we can't give you the title. Hello? What do you mean you can't give me the title? You know, escrow's done, everything's done. And I think Crystal said to her mom, you know, hey, you know what? I mean, whatever. I mean, if this doesn't work out, we're definitely going to benefit from a lawsuit because that's what the realtor told me because this is all wrong. But maybe God doesn't want us to live there. Maybe he wants us to live somewhere else. Good attitude. Didn't react. Didn't go crazy. Sure, it was a little pressure, but it did work out. Actually, the lawyer for the real estate agent paid the title company a thousand bucks, wherever they wanted it, I don't know, and uh, and then the the, the lawyer is going to sue the title company. But at least my daughter's got her title, so that's all that matters. But see, sometimes things happen in our life, and if we don't know the characteristic of God, if we don't know that God's there with us, we could stop and panic, and rather than respond to the situation, we react to it. See, that's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to react. He wants you to get all upset and bent out of shape and begin to question, why is this happening to me, God? Why, why, why? And, you know, pretty soon you're questioning your faith and all this stuff. You're looking at evildoers and you're saying, look at them, they're benefiting. Oh, why aren't I trying to do the right thing? And pretty soon you're in this big pity party. And God's got to bring someone along or he comes along himself and picks you up and says, hey, you know, this isn't what this is about. I'm with you always. And then the fourth thing there, we hallow the name of God when we live a life of obedience. See, that's the key. And these things build upon each other. If you look at that, they definitely build upon each other. You have to believe that He exists. And once you believe that He exists, you want to know more about Him. You want to know who He is. What kind of God would it be if He couldn't know who He is? And then, once you know who He is, you begin to realize that He's aware. He's he's around us all the time. We want to be aware of His presence. And because of that, we definitely want to live in obedience to Him. That's what God calls us to. I've given you a list there of practical ways that you can live in obedience to Him. Confessing Him as Lord. Confessing sin. Showing faith. Bearing fruit. Praising Him. Being content. That's a big one. Being content. 
by proclaiming the truth, sharing God's word, sexually purity, sexual purity, being unified. See, all those things are pleasing to God. That's what it means to be obedient to God. And so when we hallow God's name, when we set Him apart, it definitely should have a real life impact in our, in our own lives. It's not just a phrase you say as part of the Lord's Prayer. In 1 Corinthians 10.31, Paul says, Whatever you do, whatever you do, doesn't matter what it is, whatever you do, whether you, look at what he lists here, eat, <laughs> Whether we drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of who? God. Do it all for His glory. That's the way we're to live. That's what we're called, that's the standard we're called to. Do we always do it? No. A lot of times we never do it. And, and it's, it's important for us to understand that God wants us to. He wants us to live for His glory. He doesn't want prayer to be something that we tag on at the beginning of a meal or you know, at the end of a service or whatever. He wants it to be a communion between Him and us. And when we let our light shine before men and they see our good works and they do what? They glorify our Father who is in heaven. Then His name is hallowed. Then His name is set apart. Then His name is exalted. That's what God wants from us. Let's close in a word of prayer as we prepare our hearts for our communion time. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, the the psalmist wrote, O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Father, as we come to the Lord's table this morning, I pray that our hearts would be right before you. Lord, if, if there's any hindrance to our worship this morning, if there's known sin in our lives, Lord, your word calls us clearly to confess it to you and claim the forgiveness that's available there, Father. If we confess our sin, your word says that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, we thank you that that cleansing is possible because of this table, because of the sacrifice that you made that this table symbolizes. Well, we trust and pray that today's broadcast has given you some insight into this prayer recorded for us here in Matthew chapter 6, the Disciples' Prayer, the right kind of righteousness in praying. If you'd like a copy of today's program, we would invite you to contact us, and we'll get a copy out to you. It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently also involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m., and we offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up through grade 5. If you'd like to encourage us here at the Graceful Truth Program, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. Or if you'd like a copy of today's broadcast to review again or the entire series on prayer, please contact us. Here's that phone number, 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. If you're writing to us, and we always are encouraged by your letters and postcards, the address is Graceful Truth, 2225 Euclid. That's here in Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. That's 2225 Euclid, Redwood City, California. 94061 is the zip code. Don't forget also that there is an awful lot of information about us at GracefulTruth.org. Again, that's GracefulTruth, 
www.thepowerhouse.org. You can even drop us an email there, and again, as mentioned, learn more about us, gracefultruth.org. If you're joining us for worship, we again meet at 2225 Euclid here in Redwood City. Directions and details are gracefultruth.org or simply call 650-366-9923. Again, we thank you for joining us today. And as this is a season of Thanksgiving, we'll close our time out together with one final word from our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse. Steve? Thanks, Andy. I'd like to take a few moments to thank our Graceful Truth listening audience as we'll be completing our first year of broadcasting this coming December here on KFAX. Graceful Truth is sponsored by and originates from the pulpit teaching ministry of Grace Bible Church located in Redwood City, where it's been my pleasure and delight to serve as pastor and teacher for the past 12 years. It's our desire to reveal the grace of God through the teaching of his word each week so that the body of Christ may be edified and built up and encouraged in their faith and that people in the Bay Area will hear and respond to the hope and the life-changing message of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's hard to believe, isn't it, that almost a whole year has flown by and we now find ourselves in the month of November, a month filled with Thanksgiving celebration. I'd like to encourage you as listeners to let us know this month if this ministry has been a blessing and encouragement to you in your Christian walk. Won't you please take time to give us a call or send us an email or a letter in the mail to share with us how this program has been a blessing to you. Thanks again for listening, and may you and your family have a blessed and Christ-centered Thanksgiving season. And again, thank you for joining us here today for Graceful Truth with our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse. We look forward to seeing you again next week at this same time as we continue our look at this disciple's prayer here in Matthew chapter 6. Again, thank you for joining us today. Until next week, God bless. (music) 